with you, 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 always with you. Welcome to With You, a podcast meant to share the stories of women across the rugby community, to highlight our connections and our growth, and to delight in a good belly laugh whenever we can. I'm Suze, my pronouns are she, her, and I'll be your host. Welcome back for another episode of With You, episode 19 to be exact, where I get to catch up with an old teammate from Glendale, Sully. We played together a little while over here in Colorado before she went abroad to play in Australia, down in Sydney, a city that she loves for a couple of years, and it's pretty neat, you know, I love all my content. But you guys do too. That's why you're here, right? <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, so it's really interesting. There's similarities and differences between rugby in the U.S. and rugby in Australia. And we definitely dive into those differences. But you know the rugby cultures. People taking care of each other. That's definitely still there. Uh, I think it's just so much more prominent in the, cult- in the culture down there. And that's really interesting. But we talk about lots of other stuff too. Get some collegiate collegiate talk and the way rugby has been parts of Sully's professional life. Really, really rad. Really rad convo. So I'm going to let you guys go. Do that. I have to ask one favor. It's kind of two, but it's one. First of all, I'm looking for one more person to come on this season. If you're interested, you can message me on instagram my handle is s dot kitch k-i-t-c-h or you can email me suze at with you podcast dot c-o suze is spelled s-u-s like sus but it's not sus it's suze tell the whole world (laughs) and the second part of this singular call out is i am looking for an anger management that is her nickname i believe her first name is jen if you have played with someone that goes by that nickname, if you played against them, if you have a way to get in touch with them, please let me know. I just have an email address and I've not been successful in in making contact. So y'all know how to get in touch with me. If you know anger management, send her my way. I want to talk to her for the show. She signed up, but we're just not making the connections here. Thank you in advance for your help. Thank you so much for being wonderful, lovely, loyal, consistent listeners. I am so grateful for you and hope you enjoy this episode so much. Thanks. Hello. So, Sully. Hi. What's up, girl? We got here. We're here. We're recording. Oh, my gosh. It happened. We did it. We did it. You well, <laughs> you did it. You also you and you you allowed me to do it with your kind patience and support. <laughs> That's what that is about. That's right, as it should be, right? Well, welcome to with you. Thank you so much for signing up to come on. Super stoked to hear all about your rugby journeys. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been having fun just like binge listening to all the episodes as they come out oh I love it thank you I love to hear people enjoying themselves and listening yeah, along. Your, like 
from people we knew and played together with. I was like, wait, I know Patsy. Uh-huh. Patsy. Yeah, it's super cool. So um, tell me first your pronouns, please. Yep. Um, Kelly and I'm she, her. Great. And then how did you find rugby in the first place? How did we end up here? Um, let's see. Yeah. So it's funny when I think of like the most life-changing moments and decisions that have happened in my life. And my first rugby practice was definitely one of them. Um, mm. I didn't start till my freshman spring semester. There's like one month left in the school year um, at college. Uh-huh. So I originally was on the track team at college and mm-hmm. a guy in my dorm, um, I essentially was leaving the track team and I want to walk onto the soccer team, but I'd have to wait a year for walk-on tryouts. Yeah. So I was emailing the football coach, seeing if I could be a kicker on the men's football team. Wow. And one of my best guy friends like, oh, you can be the kicker on the women's rugby team. Had never like even heard of rugby Um one month left in the semester. I'm like, yeah, maybe in the fall I'll like show up. Um, he's like, no, just like Tuesday night, come with me, um, come to practice. Yeah. And how the class schedules worked, I actually had to show up like halfway through practice too. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like the scariest moment of my life. I was showing up, didn't know anyone on the team, just showing uh-huh. up one month left in the season, showing up to practice halfway through. Um, and then they just kind of were like, yeah, hop on in. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. Like momentarily intimidated, but then realized everybody's just happy to see you. Yeah. Well, the coach, of course, she like, we were getting ready for a big uh, tournament piece for the East in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the big overnight tournament for our college team. So she yeah. didn't really have time, obviously, to pull me aside and teach me the game. So she had the senior captain, Lacey, just pulled me aside. I just remember she was our eight man. She just like laid me out and tackled me. I was like, <laughs> yep, you're good. <laughs> I'm just lying on the ground. Like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> um, and then we did like a relay race at the end and I won. And so everyone's like, oh, cool. Yeah, you're fast. Yeah. Like, stay with us. I was like, okay. <laughs> Sweet. We have a place for you yeah. um, automatically, like immediately. Sweet. Yeah, I love it. What were they... What were they doing? Were they just like deep in trying to do some more technical things when you showed up and it was really a lot? Yeah. So they were like getting ready for a tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So they were kind of just doing like game prep run throughs. Yeah. And I was just like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, that's going to be a really weird thing to walk into. Yeah. And they like threw me on the wing for a drill. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm fast. I'm just going to like run behind everyone across the entire field and burn them <laughs> on the far side and like I start running behind everyone and everyone just like stopped and looked at me and they're like you can't do that I was like I don't know um, <laughs> but then I was like okay just yeah gosh run run forward it's just uh one of those cues that you hear forever yeah as we get to be older like more experienced players there's always a rookie around we're like no no go forward just go forward but like it's just natural instinct to that like had done some flag football before yeah um yeah I'm like yeah run forward pass backwards yeah well so it seems like you you played sports growing up then You, you mentioned soccer and the flag football all in the bit right now too right 
Yeah, so soccer is kind of my main sport growing up, like mm. very involved in um, like that Mia Hamm, Julie mm. Foudy, that 99 national women's soccer team. Yeah, um, fan girl like hard. Was, yeah, I was such a tomboy. Mm. It was to the point where like teachers at school told me for a book report, like I had to choose a different book besides Mia Hamm's autobiography because I'd only read books about Mia Hamm. Huh. Um, so yeah, I was really <laughs> big into soccer and basketball. So growing up in Connecticut, UConn basketball was huge. So mm-hmm. once again, like Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, that kind of like generation. They yeah. were, I went to their summer camp and like they were my camp counselors. Yeah. Um, and then That's kind of just got into track to stay in shape for the other sports. Yeah. Like something to do in the in-betweens yeah. to keep you then moving and up, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up being better at track. And I was at soccer and basketball, so then um, ended up running track in college for a bit. Yeah, what but, were your what were because there's all different competitions in track. What'd you what'd you run? Yeah, um, mostly sprints, mid distance. So indoor, um, I ran the 55, 300, 600, and some relays. And then outdoor, um, the 100, four by one, 400, and four by four. I see how you ended up as outside center. Yeah. Run uh, fast, but then also far. <laughs> yeah. If you break the line, just keep going. Yeah, for sure. I like, I mean, playing with you, it's just like, okay, if we get Sully through the line, she's going all the way. You know, we can put her, <laughs> we can get her in the right place. She'll just like, I don't even know. I was watching video of you. This is random and I might cut this out, but I might leave it. I remember like I was watching video. You posted some clips from Australia like a few weeks ago on socials. And I was just like, gosh, I just don't, you're just kind of like flying and like I don't know I don't see it on you but you're just moving so fast yeah I don't yeah. even watching back sometimes I don't even recognize myself I'm like whoa oh wait that's me um and <laughs> so people say that a lot they're like oh you're deceivingly fast I'm like I'm thank you or are you saying I look slow <laughs> yeah I know maybe <laughs> we're just like got some stuff packed in here about like what a sprinter looks like and that's a little messed up so yeah. Sorry for that. But yeah, I like, I think I remember too you, and this could be wrong, but like you have been mis- mispositioned going into new rugby teams as like a forward or a lock or something too, right? All of the time. Like, okay, good. Well, so in college, our forwards coach was always trying to steal me to be a forwards coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but the head coach was our backs coach. And she was like, nope, you're saying um then I was playing in grad school at Illinois State and we got a new coach and he's like okay yeah you're second row and I was like no 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 like you don't get it like uh-huh. I don't do type five I was uh-huh. like I could do flank maybe um and then I like intercepted a pass and like ran it for a try and he's like okay yeah you can be a back now um and yeah I've definitely had coaches just by looking at me they're like oh you're definitely not a back yeah, that's, that's kind of messed up, but it's also really cool that you'd prove yourself pretty quickly with it and, like, stand out as that finisher. I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, fun. So- I, love, I love being a back, but I give forward so much credit. Like, I don't know how you guys do it. Oh, man, it's just a lot of work. I, I Like, I, playing a little bit of backs, uh, too, it's just the way that I feel after – games playing forwards and after games after playing backs is just it's a world of difference you know it's just so beat just so beat to shit playing tight five um but that's fine I mean it's it has its it has its glory moments as well it definitely does yeah 
Yeah. And it's good to be, it's good to be humble and appreciate your teammates for doing work that you're not made for. So, yeah, and- I always think every team should have like a, a swap day. Yeah. Where like all the backs have to scrum to appreciate what the forwards go through. Mm. Um, and then I guess the forwards just run a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try, just try to make them um, run the sprints. Like, yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, the beauty of rugby. You, know, yeah. you find each person's strength and then exploit it exploit it yeah (laughs) yeah for sure it's lovely it's just yeah we all come back to that is just how um how many different levels of ability and different specific types of skills uh can be used and utilized and valued on a rugby pitch it's it's great it's really great yeah so um did they at first oh no you won that sprint competition so then they were like okay you're a back right you like immediately got your shot to get back there yeah so from the bat I was winger for like those two weeks and then that fall um kind of so my sophomore fall kind of transitioned from wing into center as I started to kind of understand the game a bit more cool yeah it seems that seems what I want to say it makes sense yeah, um absolutely. yeah what so you played the way the rest of the way through college too and like what I mean coming in and thinking like then you maybe had you had been thinking about going out for the soccer team sophomore year once you found rugby did that all go out of the window pretty much um yeah I just it's funny because soccer had been my life and I still continued to play intramurals in college um but yeah, it was just the community, the rugby community that just sucked me in. And then just the team environment was incredible. Um, and I was still able to have fun. You know, I had some friends who were on the varsity teams, um, mm-hmm. but to make some more sacrifices socially. Um, and in college, I wasn't ready to make those sacrifices. So it was kind of a perfect blend. Um, cool. You know, we were competitive and we were a good team. I think my sophomore year, we were undefeated. Um, nice. so I like, I like winning, you know, who doesn't, Yeah. <laughs> so that sure. was really nice being part of that undefeated season. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it was really just the people. So yeah, we have, like all my best friends from college still will keep in touch and mm-hmm. I have like my rugby mom and my grandma. Oh, bless. Yeah. That's so true. You just made me feel like those friendships too you have from your co- collegiate rugby team are ones that you can go like a year or something and not really see each other but you come back and you just like have so much love and appreciation for one another it doesn't matter mm-hmm. the time has gone by it's like we were a little our own little family during these super formative years of our lives and we we played together we like beat our bodies up we had a great time we grew a lot we partied like we figured all this stuff out and we're a whole whole mess at certain times, but like very well put together too. And I, I love that like collegiate yeah. women's rugby. So it was such a special experience to me too. Yeah. yeah. So if there's any college rugby players listening to this, appreciate what you have, you know, like when <laughs> it doesn't get any better going to be living like within a mile radius of all of your best friends. Mm. no, not as many major responsibilities as you have afterwards with yeah. work and families and all of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You're all just like right there. You have so much access to one another. Yeah. Uh, it was so lovely to lean into that. Let's see, I guess. So there's, 
there's these years playing collegiate rugby. And when did you end up at USA Rugby, like for work? So my senior year of college, I had done undergrad in public relations and then senior year realized like, oh, I don't want to work in public relations. So mm-hmm. let me go to grad school um, and ended up tearing my ACL for the first time. Oh, shoot. The last play of my last practice senior year before my collegiate all-american camp um, oh. yeah it was like a bummer but once again you know everything happens for a reason maybe and mm-hmm. so then going into grad school I started thinking like well if my playing career is over which it wasn't but at the time I was like if I can't play you know involved um so I actually did my thesis I studied rugby coaches and communication styles um and then Wow, that's really interning. neat. Yeah, and I was working for Rugby Illinois, going into schools and doing outreach sessions um, and teaching like K through 12 students about rugby. Um, so that kind of, I got to go to um, USA Rugby does National Development Summit every year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it happened to be in Chicago the year that I was interning at Rugby Illinois. So wow. I had the opportunity to go and meet just incredible people who work in the rugby community and that was the first time where I realized like oh like I don't have to do like a quote-unquote normal job like I can make rugby my career um and so made a lot of super valuable connections at that summit um and then was graduating that May and um I had actually applied to a job at USA Rugby in March before I graduated and didn't get it Mm-hmm. But they said, you know, like, we'll keep you in mind for future positions, yada, yada. And I didn't believe them. I was like, yeah, okay. You sure, sent sure. that to everyone. Sure. Um, and it was actually the day I was graduating grad school. I'd posted something on Instagram and someone from USA Rugby reached out. They're like, hey, I saw you're graduated now and we have a job opening. Um, so that was that I was gonna take the summer off and not even do anything and then a few weeks later I was moving out to Colorado um, wow to work at USA Rugby wow yeah I mean I totally appreciate your skepticism because every there's these auto-generated like oh we reach out to you but yeah what are what are the odds really and I mean that's it would have been nice to have a summer off but that's perfect timing in any other way right yeah I think that's Gave myself like two weeks, two weeks with my college rugby friends on Cape yeah. Cod, um, and then drove oh, across perfect. the country. Yeah, it really was like yeah, yeah. I I'm like also very. I love how much you immediately were like, okay, I can't leave this. Even at like three years, three plus, four years playing, you you were just immediately like, I'm not done with this. There's so much I I gotta find other ways. And how that internship allowed you to see how much um infrastructure industry or whatever were were part of rugby as well and how to get in there. I love it. That's that's how you ended up in Colorado, huh? Yes. And yeah. then um yeah, and so that was kind of a cool springboard going into working um at USA rugby mm-hmm. as in the training and education department um Mm -hmm. so working with training our coach educators and our referee educators um, managing all the logistics for any course that USA Rugby would put on across the country Um, wow I'm sure you picked up a lot yeah definitely um had to go through the training as part of my training 
And then, yeah, just being around those top level coaches and being involved in different discussions and meetings and shadowing opportunities. Um, and yeah, just even being able to be a nonprofit, you always have to kind of wear multiple hats, we'd call it. So I remember my, that's like two months in, I got to go work the USA Australia um, game at Soldier Field. And that was like life changing. And like, I remember my boss was like, if you even smile at any of the players, I'm never letting you come to an event Ah. today. So like I had to sideline and be like, no fangirling. Like you're here for work. They're just Mm -hmm. people. They're just players. Mm -hmm. But coming from like, as a rugby player, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm standing in, you know, the Australian locker room with all these international superstars. Wow. Yes. That's wow. That is wow. And I wonder too, if like it being the Australian team like prompted you a little bit too. Aren't you just like in love with Australia? Yeah. So I'd studied abroad there. I forgot to mention when I was in college, Mm -hmm. my junior spring, I studied abroad in Australia. Okay. Um, I was supposed to go to New Zealand actually. And then the Christchurch earthquakes happened. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to go, um, and ended up in Sydney instead. And so down there, I knew um, that I wanted to go back at some point. I ended up actually playing in a men's touch rugby league while I was there. It was supposed to be co-ed, but we didn't get enough girls signed up. So my guy friends just decided to throw me in the men's league. Um, (laughs) But I learned so much just playing down there, like the speed of play and the skills and Mm -hmm. the strategy that they have. Yeah, because it's it's more culturally um, accessible. It's like more valued down there. Like kids play when they're really really little. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw like a three year old holding a rugby ball. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, yeah, you're like, this is what I want my future to look like. Children, exactly. little children with rugby balls. Exactly. Also, they're they're like egg shaped in the first place. So doesn't it just seem like a perfect match? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. But like that kind of speed and pace, I mean, you've been playing you've played for about for close to a decade too, or if not more, right? Played for a long time. Yeah, so well, it depends how you count my playing years with injuries. Um yeah. but I've been involved with the sport for eleven years now. Okay, yeah. That's a great answer. I didn't ask that in a great <laughs> way, but We got there and I was just kind of getting to this like reflection point too, thinking maybe 13, 14 years ago is when I first started playing and how much the game here has changed. Like it has gotten faster. The strategy has changed. Like, I mean, well, even we know like technically it has changed too with like law, tackle law and and scrum law and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I imagine that seeing that early difference in the way that we were playing here that they were playing down there made an impression on you as well for sure and just even the confidence um so then I ended up playing I was living in Cape Cod for a summer and practiced with their men's team over the summer because they didn't have a women's team Mm. um and yeah just like that confidence of you know hanging with the boys yeah tomboy Um, life yeah right yeah I mean I was such a tomboy I wouldn't even put on lotion like scented lotion when I was a kid because I thought it was too girly (laughs) (laughs) oh girl I I feel you I feel you it's just 
this this is like a little bit too much but I'm gonna tell you anyway um I wouldn't even like wear when I started to get boobs like when I hit puberty I was like I don't want these like I refuse (laughs) to get out of a sports bra like I'm like I wasn't like I'm a boy I was like but I just like don't feel like girly I don't want to do anything that has I just want to play in the dirt you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was growing up lacrosse was just starting to get big in my town yeah and all my friends were playing but you had to wear a skirt so I refused to play same thing with like the tennis team at school because I really like tennis but I was like I'm not wearing a skirt like I'm <laughs> playing a sport I don't want to wear skirts no um, thank you but now I've always wanted to try lacrosse but apparently yeah. nowadays I guess you don't have to wear skirts that's good. They shouldn't have to wear, like, you shouldn't have to wear skirts. You shouldn't have to wear anything you don't want to freaking wear. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a little tangent. Um, So, we we came around to this. We touched on this a little bit, because I know this is one of your growth points Um, in through rugby, was you were just talking about, like, pl- playing with those men's teams and the way that it, it affected your confidence and the way that you saw yourself. Are there other... Are there like other moments that you saw that kind of growth? Yeah, I think probably the first one would have been back in college, switching from the track team where as a sprinter, and you know, we kind of talked about like typical runner bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I was over, like very super self-conscious on the track team because I was one of the, the bigger girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they would run with like the little underwear style. <sighs> Yeah. uniforms and I was yeah. like oh, once again can I have shorts um, uh-huh. and so just learning to appreciate like strength and power um, mm. and I think strength in rugby not only physically but mentally like you know you're 70 minutes into a game and you're at the bottom of a ruck and like you have to get up inside of you yeah that you have to get up if it's not for you it's for your teammates mm-hmm. um but yeah, overall, I'd say appreciating strengths physically and also um, mentally. Just that, yeah, the mental and like the internal strengths. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of mental fitness and and um, endurance involved in a rugby game. Mm-hmm. But I love the point of doing it for your people, if not for yourself. It's like I'm here for my teammates too, because they are doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's rad. Yeah. That's the only reason I stayed on the track team so long was for the relay races. Like I actually hated the open events and would mm. be a nervous wreck on the starting line. But for the relays, that was like that little team moment of like, okay, like I hate this race, but I have to give it my best for the team. Yeah. Um, so I think then switching to rugby, it's the most, you know, interconnected team sport that I can think of. Right. Um, so I really, really like appreciate and value that. Yeah, so dependent, <laughs> so dependent on, on the units and like individuals. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, going to Australia in college to study abroad really changed your life and your rugby, your rugby life too. And is that how you ended up back there? You just like always wanted to go back. Yeah, I just had such a connection with Sydney specifically when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still just my favorite city in the world. It's like their public transportation and their parks and open spaces and beaches. And then, of course, the rugby culture. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I knew at some point I wanted to go back. Um, and then it was winter 2016. Um, and there was this, there's this website called Raw Raw Rugby that they post playing and coaching opportunities like internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and said something, you know, Eastern suburbs of Sydney team looking for internet, like looking for international players. Um, and I sent it to my best friend from college and said, oh, we should apply, LOL. And I actually don't even remember applying. <laughs> and then oh. I like, must have submitted my rugby resume because come January, I was actually at, it's like comes full circle back to, I was in Baltimore for USA Rugby National mm-hmm. Development Summit. Wow. And I get this email being like, hi, our selection committee has met and we want to offer you one of our four international player spots for the upcoming season. Um, like we'll give you a cash stipend and housing, pick you up at the airport. And wow. it, I almost didn't do it. I just gotten a raise at work and I was like, nope, I'm in a good place in my life. And then everyone was like, are you kidding me? You've talked about wanting to move back to Australia since they had known me. Um, yeah. And this just kind of gave me an opportunity that included an immediate social connection and kind of security um, mm-hmm. landing and knowing I'd have people there. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was like on a weekend. Then I was in the airport flying back to Colorado from Baltimore I called my mom and I was just like, hey, mom, um, so I'm going to move to Australia again. <laughs> and <laughs> she was totally cool with it. I mean, she knew that it was so important to me and it was something mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to do it when I did it. I was afraid sure. that if I didn't, I would fast forward 20, 30 years and just keep thinking back like, what, what would it have been like if I moved to Australia? Like, what if, what if, what if? Yeah. Um, So that week I like put in, I applied for my visa, bought my plane ticket, sold my car, packed up two suitcases. um, And that next month moved down to Australia. Wow. Everything so fast. Everything so fast. But like, honestly, you know what, uh, you know, how, what other time would you have the same opportunity? You know, and, and, and having the support behind you makes a big difference. And I'm also just like so impressed how like the fates or the universe or whoever, however you want to name it, first of all, put you in Sydney when it wasn't your intention in college because you were supposed to go to New Zealand, right? Mm And I mean, the earthquake, that's awful, right? But how it affected you is its own thing that put you in this city that you felt like such a connection with. And uh, and then how, how much of a joke it was almost that you had applied and then thought like, nah, it's fine. But went down there and I like, I feel like you just had the best time when you were down there. Right. I really did. But I almost, another reason I didn't want to go is because our championship season for Glendale was going to be in the spring. And Mm -hmm. I feel like our team had like such an awesome, like first season together that fall for like the division one side. Yeah. It was just when we had gotten into proper division one because we had just been a developmental side yeah and I felt like so bad like that I was leaving the team and I had like some PTSD from the team that I left before when I moved to Glendale Mm -hmm. from my other team I was like Mm -hmm. so nervous to tell people I was moving but 
everyone was just like so supportive and they're like wait that is awesome like oh my god you have to connect with x y and z um and there's actually like a Glendale guy who lived down in Sydney that like Mark Bullock connected me with Um, wow and yet everyone like everyone's just so supportive um then yeah it didn't really hit me till I was like on the plane like somewhere over the Pacific and I was like oh my gosh I was like I'm moving to the other side of the world and with two suitcases to my name right yeah (laughs) yeah like I was figuring out work when I got there and but it really did end up being the best two years of my life it was supposed to be one but then I extended my visa um, and stayed for two yeah yeah I mean a lot happened down there but I, I can imagine like how scary it would be and feeling loyal to the team and we did have a great that that's that fall was Mm -hmm. just so much fun like we had a good team and we all we got along really well and there were there was a lot of good momentum to push us into that d1 competitive bracket too and but yeah no regrets so glad you went too and didn't feel like you had to stay obligated to us and it doesn't always happen, but it is the best thing when your rugby crew supports you um, without question and just wants the best for you. That's a good, a good send off, I'd say. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's actually my first weekend when I was down in Australia. So the U.S. has our major league now, but they had the old one before that went mm. under in Denver, like pro um, league or whatever. Or, yeah, so the pro yeah. rugby. I yeah. was wearing my purple Denver Stampede singlet <laughs> at a Wartaz game in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And this family was like, oh, our son plays for Glendale and played <laughs> on this team. And I was like, wait, I just moved here last week oh and I gosh. played for Glendale. This is like such a small world. I'm in the stadium in Sydney and this oh couple stops gosh. me to be like, oh, my son, his name is on your shirt that you're wearing. That's insane and unbelievable like I don't want it but I do all you're on the literally the other side of the world like on a different hemisphere and those little things popping up like where rugby's just like we're all tied together not even just women like we're just all intersecting each other wild wild so what was it like what was it what's rugby culture like there what was it going out to this team that that wanted you there and really supported you but like what was it just tell me what it was like it was great um they were you know typical rugby where just super welcoming off the bat um I was a little nervous I felt like I had to prove myself as an American mm-hmm. you know because Amer like rugby isn't as popular in the U.S. so the other internationals um were we had a girl from Canada Scotland mm-hmm. and then I was myself from the U.S. Um, but yeah I just felt like an extra pressure to be like representing American rugby players and like proving you know going down I didn't know where you know if I'd get playing time or like the level of play what it'd be like um, yeah but I think I represented pretty well so yeah I think so <laughs> I'm sure that was I I imagine that could be intimidating. I just going across like moving across country, like moving across states and showing up to a new a new team can be a little unsettling because you just don't know where you land. You only know where you landed on the team you were on before. 
exactly um pressure is like bigger yeah and then it's also just interesting a lot of people would be like oh i didn't know they played rugby in america mm. but then they'd be like oh but you have carlin isles and he's really fast and so we knew you guys played sevens but i was surprised that the number of people who didn't even know that like we played 15s <laughs> like, wow yeah. yeah wow doing some outreach too wow yeah i it doesn't surprise me, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, we love rugby. It's just a, yeah. a little niche of people that absolutely love rugby because it's it's just not it's not mainstream, yeah. is not yet. yet. We're yeah, we're getting there. There's more and more youth programs all the time. And it's the, really all about yeah, grassroots rugby and yeah. starting from the bottom up. Yeah, absolutely not college, even though that was a wonderful place to start, but getting it into the communities on a on a at a younger age on a different level and that was something I learned like when I was researching rugby for my thesis was Mm. back at the time and it's probably a little different now but so like in around 2015 75 percent of Americans don't start playing rugby until they're 18 to 24 um wow and that was just like such a shocking stat to me because we would then have meetings with like USA lacrosse and they had the complete opposite issue where their participation pyramid, the base and kids play a lot more kids play. And then, you know, especially girls drop off kind of around the high school age and then very yes. few go on. So our rugby pyramid in the U S is kind of inversed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of, the higher ups wanted to, you know, focus more on building that base pyramid, starting them younger. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we get by in sevens more than in fifteens when it comes to rugby. Um, mm-hmm. Cause we have the athletes in the U S it's just sure. you know, really understanding the strategy and, you know, we don't grow up understanding the game and sure. how strategic it really is and can be and should be. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really interesting idea to think about the way that other sports, because by the time we get out of, I guess that 18 to 24 period is really where a lot of other major sports in the U.S. are trickling off if you're not a professional. Exactly. Right. That's when like people stop playing soccer or they just play intramural and they stop. There's not there's not the infrastructure of the leagues that rugby has in the clubs. Mm-hmm. Um but that actually, that's actually a little promising because it gives, I feel like it gives rugby a unique opportunity here to be, like, have an even greater pool. Like, I mean, I've always, I've always just thought about that as I've played until I was 30. And I could still be playing. Like, the episode before this one, Pinto Bean, it's 44 and she's still playing. Like, yeah. Sure. I've had teammates start in their 40s and I just think that is so awesome. Yeah. There's still access in the, in the, uh. Yeah, all the structure to play. I mean, every sport's good for everybody. Don't matter how old you are. It's just like yeah. the community and everything. So, um, let's circle back a little bit to Australia and your poor, poor knees, girl. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> your poor knees. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my first year playing was great. Um, it's 
scoring lots of tries, representing. Um, second year, start off really good. So long story, our entire women's club essentially transitioned and joined a different club my second year, mm-hmm. um, which was the best decision to help grow women's rugby in the area we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were getting offered a lot more resources. Um, so we all switched over to this other club, which was great. Um, and we were about halfway through the season. You know, I was having one of the best seasons of my life too, just like the caliber of players I had the opportunity to play with and play again. Yeah. So my fly half from that season, Arabella McKenzie, she just got named to the Wallaroos national team. Oh, wow. So just like playing with her and just, we had other, we had two Scotland national team players on our team. Um, I was learning so much. I was playing so well. And I remember I was warming up and I'd actually gotten transitioned out to wing because that season we had like five centers. So our entire back line, we were all centers and we just mm-hmm. swapped around. Um, and I was playing wing and they're like, you're going to chase this ball off the kickoff first play of the game halfway through the season. I'm running up and just plant to turn and tackle and like oh. went down. I could not stand. And right away I knew I was like, it's my ACL again. Uh, was like, the same one, same one, um, oh. same exact non-contact, just change of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like the trainer comes out and I'm, I'm crying a little bit from pain, but mostly just like mentally knowing what I'm going to have to go through again. Yeah. But also abroad, like in the peak of my playing career. Yeah. Um, And the trainer's like, no, it's not your ACL. And I was like, no, I I really think it is. And I was like, it sounded like before. And she's like, well, no, it would sound different because you technically wouldn't be tearing your ACL. You'd be tearing the hamstring leg, like the hamstring that they, put in to replace your ACL right. mm-hmm. um, and then just being abroad going through surgeries and figuring all of that out on my own I definitely became an adult you know yeah it sounds um, overwhelming I mean to, to... yeah well luckily I did have Australian healthcare. care um, good and the previous year little side story I was working on a remote island off the coast of Australia and got an infected spider bite which sent me to the hospital they transferred me to another hospital had to have emergency surgery so I had already like gotten to know the Australian healthcare system pretty well Mm. so going into this next surgery like I shop around with my surgeons and be like hey tell me the price for x y and z um and then actually working at USA Rugby I was kind of able to understand how governing bodies function and the support they can provide as secondary insurance. So I wow. reached out to the Australian Rugby Union. Um, so they were able to cover like a lot of my rehab before I my visa expired. I had to move home. Um, yeah. Um, being like a noob to thinking about secondary insurance, that's what sipping is though, right? Yeah. So fun fact, I mean, I think the rugby community will always call it sipping, but it actually hasn't been called sipping since like 2014 or something shut up Uh, but when you register with usa rugby they can act as a secondary insurance Um, so that's part of your coverage i Mm. never had to go through it with usa rugby um, Mm. so i can't speak to like what their coverage is 
but in Australia, it was, um, it was nice to have that support. Yeah. Lot, yeah. Lots of paperwork, but if you like follow the process, um, and get the signatures you need, you know, document that it was at like a legitimate game that it happened, coaches sign off, like trainers sign off. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was definitely a learning experience. Um, but fun fact, my surgeon, he performed surgery on Sonny Bill Williams. So what? Yeah. Wow. Kaslik. Wow. So that, really? I felt like You're I the man for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one. I trust wow. you. Good. And, yeah. and I, I hope you had the support around you to like recover and also still stay, stay homies with the team. Right. Yeah. So, well, it ended up having to be a two part surgery. Um, so when I tore my ACL, I essentially blew out the tunnel that they had drilled through from my first surgery. So they couldn't reuse that tunnel. Mm. Um, so part one trigger warning, if you don't like surgery talk, um, but like they had to <laughs> scrape out all of the old ligament, drill a new tunnel and pack it with bone from a cadaver. Wow. And then I had to wait three months with no ACL or anything in my knee um, before they could do the second part where they actually brought my left hamstring over to my right knee and drilled a new tunnel. Um, wow. But yeah, the, the team was incredible. I mean, I did Uber to my surgery because I felt bad asking a teammate to wake oh. up to drive me at like 5 a.m. for my surgery. So um, I Ubered there holding my crutches and my x-rays and the Uber driver was very confused as to why I wasn't using the crutches yet. Um, <laughs> but then when I did wake up from surgery, my teammate, teammates all came and they brought so much food. I think the hospital staff was very confused as to why there were like 10 girls stuffed in my room with like five grocery bags. <laughs> so they're good. Good, good people. Yeah, that's lovely. I mean, that's much better. I, yeah I guess I couldn't imagine it better than people showing up with food for you just to be like I love you and eat this and um we hope you get better as soon as we can but we support you I mean that's yeah. it's pretty beautiful and would be I think would be confusing to people who don't understand how much care is involved in like good rugby teams in the community so yeah, and I think that was really comforting for my mom. Like, my dad, they were freaking out. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone was like, well, you're going to go home now, right? And I was like, well, actually, I don't have insurance in the U.S. anymore because I had turned 26 in Australia. Uh -huh. um, so I was like, well, no, I have Australian insurance. It would cost more to go home. Yeah. Um, but for my parents knowing that I had that support system. And for the second surgery, they did not let me Uber. <laughs> so my friend Courtney brought me no matter how early I had to wake up they were like shame on you for doing that I don't care how early it is we were gonna take you right yeah <laughs> which you know that's exactly how I would feel if I found out one of my teammates ubered to get yeah. surgery I'd be like why didn't like I would wake up at any time for anyone you know <laughs> for sure for sure you're like but I don't want to be a burden I already did this I just want to yeah. get better yeah yeah <clears throat> well I mean it's lovely that they were there for you and that I also that you got to stay because how how tragic would it be to just like fly back to U.S. and disappear from this this little family that you've accumulated and and um, got to stay there. You freaking love Australia, so yeah. Um, and I 
got to coach a bit more. I was coaching U8 and U9 boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was really cute. My Our rugby facilities, we had a clubhouse and a trainer who operated. And I remember I was doing my physical therapy like a day or two after my surgery. And all my little like eight-year-old boys ran up to see me. Oh, um, so I had their support too. Good, but good. Gotcha. So you had... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so I had been coaching them and then get, I got, because I got injured, I was able to then also kind of help coach our, um, we had started like a U16 girls team. Um, so not playing, I was able to get involved in that too, which was nice to, you know, when I can't play those who can't, what, what's the saying? Those who can't. It's strictly those, those can't, those do, can't teach. play teach. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so. also, it's just another opportunity, you know, like in that moment, it keeps you connected, keeps you and in knowing how much rugby gave to you and how much you love it, that it's so important. I feel like it's so important for us to always have that uh, structure around us of rugby. Yeah. There's always a way to give back and stay involved. Mm-hmm. I love it. Plus like, you know, eight, nine year old kids playing rugby. That's great. It's perfect. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, their fathers weren't too happy that Amer- an American girl was teaching <laughs> their boys how to play rugby. Um, and we had a few dads come up to us during practice being like, do you need help? Or I can teach them how to tackle as their first year transitioning to tackle rugby. And I was yeah. Um, my Scottish teammate, she, she and I were running the practices. We're like, nope, we got it. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, we'll show you. Just wait. We'll show you that we know how to. For being yeah. so concerned. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. But I thought it was awesome because the eight and the nine-year-old boys, like to them, we were just our coaches. It wasn't that like mm. we were female coaches. We were mm-hmm. just coaches. Or that you were international like, coaches. You were just like coaches. Yeah, it was more the older males who had the harder time wrapping their head around so that we were just coaches yeah well isn't that just a nice reflection is like uh kids don't have this kind of any I mean I don't want to just that we don't have those kinds of um like stereotypes or we don't have those different kinds of expectations or in inability to give somebody a chance based on their sex or their country of origin or anything it's just like the kids just like whatever (laughs) let's we're here and I feel like if you were a terrible coach after a little while too the kids would be able to tell but they were getting a lot out of it and learning and you were definitely qualified to be there so yeah Yeah. it was awesome yeah that's wonderful what did you what you what did (laughs) Okay, stop stuttering. <laughs> <laughs> How did you translate your playing? Because you did a little bit of coaching uh, in college too and like looking at coaching communication styles. But how did you take your experience playing at that point and translate it into coaching? What were some standouts? Um, That's a great question. That's pretty tough. Honestly, I would say I took less from my playing and applied to coaching, but rather – learned from my coaches and applied that Mm -hmm. to my coaching so um I had some really incredible coaches while I was down in Australia and so like using them as a resource and like picking their brain um Mm -hmm. and then also at the eight and nine year old level like still making sure that it's fun you know at that age if they're not enjoying it like 
I would rather have a team at that age that lost every game, but, you know, had fun doing it, running around with their best friends yeah. um, rather than like, there would be other coaches we played against. Yeah. Screaming at these uh, eight and nine year olds. No. Let's just have fun with it. You know, keep the ball moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think sports should always be fun, even at like a high competitive level. If you're not enjoying it, like, why are you still playing? Yeah. I, absolutely agree with you there like we life's too short there's too much serious shit out here like when we play sports yeah we're gonna accomplish goals but we should enjoy ourselves even in our day-to-day lives we should enjoy ourselves but especially when you put that much time and and energy and love and passion into playing it's like you got to be having a good time yes i feel like making i feel like playing rugby makes me feel like a kid yeah yeah second that yeah, um, yeah, it just brings back you know like those formative memories of yeah you're running around a field with your best friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely carefree. It's la la. This is my life, so it's beautiful. Um, do you, is there anything in like the main stuff that you feel like we missed? Do you want to touch on the similarities and differences of like the rugby structure? Mm-hmm. Um, because like the infrastructure of like teams in Australia was just like mind blowing as like how many clubs there were and then within each club how many teams there were um yeah tell me about that I'm curious okay yeah so um yeah the biggest difference I think was yeah the club structure so I mean most teams here you know you have a men's team you have a women's team maybe like whatever you call it a side b side Mm -hmm. um but in Australia, how it worked, so for example, my club that I played for my second year was called Eastern Suburbs Rugby, mm-hmm. and they were in the Shields division, so they were feeder teams for the pro teams. Mm-hmm. But within our club, you had first, on the men's side, you had first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. So first grade would be like our A side, that's like the top team. But so on the men's side alone, they had had five five teams teams. and then that's not even including Colts. So then you had Colts one, two, three and fourth grade for Colts. So Colts are kind of um, like a 17 to 21 year old Mm. group. Uh So within my own club, that was nine men's teams. Wow. And then the similarity is that then there's one women's team. Um, So resource wise, um, (laughs) Men's teams definitely seem to be getting allocated more resources yeah. from community rugby through the national governing body. Um, mm-hmm. But they are making more of an effort so that the shoot shield division that I talked about being a feeder team, my second year there, they started making it a requirement that if the men's team wanted to stay in that shoot shield division, they had to field the women's side as well to mm-hmm. help grow the game. Because mm-hmm. these Good. clubs and clubhouses, you know, we had, a full restaurant and bar and gym and trainers. Um, So like the shoot shield, these higher level still community though, men's teams, they had the resources. So, you know, New South Wales said, if you want to stay in this league by, you know, 2019, 2020, you have to field a women's team. Uh Um, They started with sevens the first year, but I think they all have 15s teams now. Wow. Um, so it's been nice 
watching the women's um, game grow. Sure. At the same time, a lot of the women in Australia, the top players actually switch and they play rugby league because they can mm-hmm. make money. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't blame them there, you know. Sure, but that's like a and that's like a variation on on rugby union, like what we play here. Right? Yeah, so yeah, it's called like switching code. So you know, like <laughs> all and it's just interesting though. Yeah, that like all the top players played a different version essentially because mm-hmm. that's where rugby league was putting money into their women's mm-hmm. top side. Um, yeah, that's a little complicated, isn't it? Because then they still play the rugby union for national level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I mean, just thinking about like, like, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go. I was just saying it's really interesting. And and, yeah, it's really interesting and a little mind expanding, I guess, to think about that kind of like having a clubhouse, having a restaurant. I mean, obviously having like the field space with that, too. And I was really curious about that in the beginning because of the way that they recruited you in saying that we're going to we're going to give you a stipend for housing. And you know, none of us over here in the States get anything. We pay to play. Um, yeah. Even, at, and this is, I, yeah, I have feelings about this, but even like right now, our, our national level women's 15s team is having to fundraise in order to play um, our Eagles. And that's just a really difficult, it gives us another, it gives us another level of, it's just adversity to work against in order to survive here. But I am really, I'm impressed. I love that even with these like nine men's teams, which is mind blowing in its own in one club that the, the union, New South Wales said, you need to get women's teams. Like this is important. Well, and it's really amazing. And yeah, they are working towards it. Um, and so then now all of, their super rugby team so all of their professional men's teams now have women's side so they started that competition my last year there um called the super w and brilliant I think all of the uniforms except one had the color pink in it literally every jersey except for one team had some type of pink on the jersey <laughs> we don't have to do this what the heck yeah um, but you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Was, yeah, better than nothing at this point. Like, and I guess pink, pink is one of the least harmful things you can make women's rugby teams do. So yeah. Um, <sighs> but yeah, so some differences with like the size of the structure. So that yeah, that was just nine men's team in our club, and then within three mile radius, there were another three four men's teams which all had another nine teams um so rugby was just huge down there um yeah so that part was different but then the inequality with the women's game still still reflected down there Mm -hmm. um still stands they're working on it to do good that they're working on it good that we're talking about it thank you for sharing all that because it's just so vastly different than it is here and i'm endlessly curious about all things rugby um but yeah yeah still work to do always yeah always (laughs) never stops um yeah so do you want to share a glory moment with me for our closer sure and it actually kind of ties into um now that we've explained the Austrian 
So Perfect. our women's team transitioned to this new shoot shield club. So mm-hmm. our men's team, they were feeder teams to the pros and they actually decided to give us the time slot right after the first grade men's team. So, you know, the clubhouse was completely full, the whole field, everyone's around it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're playing under the lights and we were playing this team, Sydney Uni, who the two years I was there, we had never even scored a point on this team. Like oh. they had all of these Wallaroos, like Ash and um, Emily Chance, Grace Hamilton, like their entire team was just the Australian national team, essentially. Yeah. Um, so every time we played them, it was like one of those teams if you kept it in like under a hundred point loss, it was like, oh my God. Good, like they were just so dominant for so long. Uh-huh. Um, but we had a tens game, tens or sevens. I want to say we were playing tens for some reason. Um, anyways, we were playing Sydney Uni under the lights. The entire crowd is there. It's my debut on this new club. Uh-huh. And my Irish teammate had a breakaway and she's getting chased down. And I was like, her. And somehow she gets me the ball and like put on the burners and score like in front of hundreds of people. And oh. it was like the best feeling ever. Um, oh, and we actually had it on video. And like she was my roommate at the time. And, you know, we were both international and like new to this club and just had like, yeah. this brilliant connection. Um, and yeah, just like the whole state, I mean, it wasn't a stadium, but like they had this giant hill that like all nine yeah. teams are on watching. Mm-hmm. And so then after, so first and only, yeah, and the first and only points we scored on Sydney. <laughs> you got it, girl. I love oh, yeah. that. I love that. I can see yeah. that. moment that you never expected, right? Because you're just like, okay, we're going in here. To make sure that we asses kick the least as least as little as possible, yeah. Get that get that kind of opportunities. Wow, that's such we a were beautiful like, moment. Yeah, back in our own twenty two, and all of a sudden she got a line break, and I was like, oh god, I gotta get there somehow. <laughs> oh. Let me just spread the whole field. There you go. Yeah, yeah there you go with your hundreds. Yeah, wow. I mean we lost the game for sure, but yeah, <laughs> that I didn't ask you if you won. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't matter. I felt like a winner. <laughs> yeah, you were absolutely a winner in that moment, and you were. Te- I'm sure you were a teaching point for those the Wallers as well. All those national level, they were like, "Look what we did!" One oh. <laughs> of Verona. Yeah, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. And like all this, we have we've touched on a lot. This has been a great conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's- just so good to chat rugby mm-hmm. and reconnect with old teammates. Yeah, I agree. Lovely to see you pop up on the forum and, and to talk to you now too. So, Yeah. And if anyone yeah. out there has questions about playing rugby or finding ways to play internationally, mm-hmm. hit me up or literally just find a city, find their team and send them an email. Like You'd be surprised how willing they'd be to support. Another yeah. Is that raw, raw rugby site still running? Is that up I think still? so. Once yeah. again, it's mostly like men's positions that they post, mm-hmm. but they do occasionally post women's positions. Yeah, I'll have to check that out and then if it, yeah, see if it's up there. But I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. And I know too from some other friends that we played with right against here in Denver that there's a lot of graduate pro- school programs in England. 
Scotland and the UK that will sponsor you to come over there and play because they don't have an age out. You can even be like 28 and and play in their leagues. Whereas like you you age out of collegiate here in the States. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to hear about the opportunities and I mean all of it. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me and then just facilitating these discussions with the women's rugby community. It's been awesome to hear everyone else. Yeah, thank you. It's given me a lot. I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep keep it doing up. It. Thank you. Video, videos <laughs> next. <laughs> oh, don't hype me up. Don't hype me up. <laughs> All right, girl. <laughs> well, have a good night. Uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>